Hello, welcome to the first episode ever of Fanboys and Fangirls. I am your host, Rance Lacuna, and uh, I wanted to do this. Uh, this is the first ep- uh, episode of, the, of this podcast, and I wanted to do this podcast because uh, I myself am, am very big. Um, I'm a very big fan of podcasts myself. I listen to some um, while, I, while I'm in my car most of the time, and uh, yeah, I just love to hear them talk and some of my fav- favorite podcasts include uh inside of you with michael rosenbaum that's a good one uh unqualified uh with um the anna faris podcast i'm not sure what it's called anna faris is unqualified i believe that's what it's called but anyway um a bit about myself my name is rance lacuna i am 29 years old currently living in the state of hawaii on oahu and uh, I live on the west side, but I wanted to start this part, start this podcast simply because uh, I'm a big fan of the movie, movies and comic books and whatnot. And people ask my people ask me all the time, like, why am I um, into those kind of things? Because you know, when I was growing up, I uh, I didn't have any brothers or sisters until I was 11, 11 years old, and. Uh, so I used to always get that talk from my parents, but not not in the condescending kind of way. But I would always get told, "Oh, to play more, to play outside more, and uh, do more fun stuff outside." Because um, well, I did that, and I did have friends, so I would go play outside. But for the first eleven years of my life, you know, one of my friends was the TV and video games and stuff like that, and I just I just got into that kind of stuff and. Um, you know, even in today's world, nerd nerd culture has gotten so popular, and you know it's almost mainstream. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to—that's what I want to talk about. And hopefully, one day when my podcast grows, I can talk to um, other people. And I'm, um, you know, this is kind of just a hobby. So one day, um, I'll, I mean, I'll do this myself for now. But you know, one day I want to have my friends and. Um, my family on and uh, you know maybe um, maybe talk a little about themselves you know you kind of use this as like a uh, as a format for therapy because even though I do like to talk about this stuff I do have some stuff in my life that I need to work on I need to work on myself and it'll be good for me to hear about other people's interests and um, how how they developed in their childhood and whatnot but um Mainly, this will be talk about um, this podcast will be about nerd culture and whatnot. Whatnot. So yeah. So uh, what a big week! A big week for sure for Marvel Studios, and that is simply because of one movie, Avengers Endgame. Huge, monumental movie opens up to 1.2 billion dollars on its debut, breaking box office records all over the all over the place. And uh, and I saw it with my girlfriend on the 25th. We bought uh, tickets in advance because tickets were selling out like crazy, man. It's just nuts. I tried for Mililani. They were sold out. I think one Coppola Theater was sold out. I can't remember. Oh, I think it was Olino. And then I finally got some. I mean, not so much that they were sold out, but we, I just wanted to have good seats. And those places did not have good seats until... I finally came across Olino, located in Kamakana Ali'i, which had good seats. So, 
excuse me. So my girlfriend and I, we went to go see the movie on the 25th and the 25th of April. And I have to tell you that we were just astounded. Well, at least I was, but I asked my girlfriend, um, she liked it too. She liked it a lot, but you know, this movie, when you, just when you think when Marvel has nowhere to go and how can they possibly one up, one up, uh, their previous work, they do it every damn time. And Avengers Endgame, I will say for this, for me, it's the most ambitious movie I think that I've ever seen in a long time and and also in my opinion I think it's the best Marvel cinematic movie or best Marvel movie in general uh I hate to yeah to say the least but uh where to start with this movie okay uh, I'm gonna break it down so if you haven't seen the movie yet go see it because I'm gonna break it down I'm gonna go deep 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 into spoiler ter- uh, spoiler territory so the movie starts off, and uh, it's with Hawk, Hawkeye and his family, and um, more particularly his daughter, I believe her name is Lila, and he's teaching her how to shoot a bow and arrow, and it's funny because when we were watching the movie, the after the previews, the lights are still on for this segment, for this scene in the movie, and I couldn't think as to why the, the lights were on because the movie was still starting uh, I, I didn't think it was a preview because it showed Jeremy Renner, you know, Clint Barton right there showing his, um, showing the, showing his daughter how to shoot a bow and arrow. So I kept going like, can we, can we turn on the lights please? But yeah, but anyway, that's how the movie starts off and it starts off like, in a, that's a, you kind of sets the mood for the whole movie. Don't get me wrong, but the movie's kind of dark, but there's, there's some light moments here and there, you know, the Russo brothers and what they have a talent of doing is that they have the ability to balance out humor and darkness and, and, and drama, humor and drama at the same time. <clears throat> so it's a very dark. So when you watch the movie, it's a very, very dark world. So to continue, he uh, he's teaching his daughter how to shoot a bow and arrow. And then all of a sudden his his wife played by Linda Cardinelli or something. Cardinelli, I, th- I believe. You know, she played Velma in the Scooby-Doo movies. She calls over to Clint and 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 their daughter to come eat. You know, at, to come eat. And once he, um, he goes, I think he goes to pick up the arrows that were shot and then finally he looks back and his family is gone, dusted, away from, from existence. And it's obviously that happened. And it's obvious that happened because of the events that happened during Infinity War. You know, the Thanos snap and whatnot. So that's how the movie starts, and the world is in a very dark place. And the Avengers, I think, from there, we cut to Tony and Nebula, who were stranded on Titan, and now they're in a spaceship, um, just uh, floating adrift off in space. And, you know, of course, Nebula, Nebula being a machine and all, she doesn't really need to eat. So she'll probably, she'll probably survive. But um, Tony is human. Doesn't have the Iron Man suit that was heavily damaged in the last battle with Thanos. You know, it's just, 
human Tony Stark. He has the helmet, which he uses as a recording device to send a message off to Pepper. And that's about it. But, um... So, next thing. As he, uh, as he's finishing this message, uh, Captain Marvel comes out of... Comes into the frame and she... She sees Stark, and then Stark sees, he opens his eyes because it's so bright. He's opening his eyes very slowly, and he sees sees Captain Marvel. And then that's where we cut to her um, taking the ship down onto the Avengers compound. And I'm assuming that scene takes place right after um, the Captain Marvel post credit scene where she um, she meets the Avengers for the first time due to the Due to Nick Fury's pager. She comes down, brings Tony and Nebula and the, um, along with them who are in the ship. And um, they're greeted by the, the Avengers. I think um, Black Widow, uh, Captain America, Rocket, and uh, War Machine. They greet, them on the, they greet them on Earth. And then the first thing you notice is that... Um, you see Rocket sitting us alongside Nebula, and they know that their family's their family's gone because they're the only remaining two remaining um, Guardians of the Galaxy at this point. And then once we get inside the Avengers compound, um, compound Iron Man is just not having it, you know, because he's he's going off, he's pissed, pissed, probably a bit mad at himself, but. You know, he shows a little hostility hostility towards uh, Captain America because of the events that happened in Civil War. And, you know, he even does a, um, and uh, Tony, Tony even does a callback to Avengers Age of Ultron when he tells him, you remember that time you, know, you said we lose, guess what, we lost, we lost big time. And uh, from there... I think that's where it picks off, picks up five. Uh, no, wait, sorry. If we go back, I think Tony has Tony. He he goes, he he separates himself from the from the Avengers for a little bit, and uh, he goes to live a life with Pepper, which I'll get back to in a minute. But the remaining Avengers, they find Thanos on on a self-imposed. Exile on a planet far away because they have to use the rocket spaceship to get to get there. So they send Captain America, I mean Captain um, Captain Marvel, down to this planet, and she's she's sur- uh, doing surveillance and I mean sorry recon whatsoever. And she comes back to the she comes back to the ship, tells the Avengers that hey, there's no military defense, there's no protection whatsoever. So let's just go down there and kill them and that's what they do in the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie is that once they go down there they tussle with him a little bit but he's hurt because he got hurt from that snap in the last movie you know um which is something i actually had no knowledge of i thought he was in the in the last scene of of infinity where he looked okay you know he just cruising on watching the sunset but it turns out if you do the snap all the energy re- is released and it hurts, hurts you, and perhaps can even kill you. But he's a he's a titan, so he can handle it. But he's still 
you know, he's, he's in no fighting condition after that, which is why his, again, spoilers, which is why his defeat, his so-called defeat in the beginning of the movie came kind of easy in the first 10 to 15 minutes. Well, not kind of easy. They still had to subdue him and it took a few Avengers and Captain Marvel did most of the work by putting him in a chokehold. So once they have him in the chokehold, um, the, the Avengers ask, how do we undo what you've done? You know, you erased half the population with the Infinity, with the Infinity Stones. And he tells the Avengers, you guys are screwed, man, because I destroyed the Infinity Stones so they could never be used again to undo what I did. And he says, um, this is a line that's repeated at least twice in the movie where he says, I am inevitable. And from there, from that, I think he says something else and he gets cut off. Literally, his head gets cut off by um, by Thor, who uses Stormbreaker that was uh, that he obtained in the last movie. And uh, I was like, OK. Yeah, so that's that. He's Thanos is gone. So what are we going to do for the rest of the movie? So his head is off, which is perhaps the most violent thing I've ever seen in a Marvel slash Disney movie because Disney owns Marvel. And I think I remember reading. I thought I remember reading an article online at some point that there would be no beheading from Disney um, said by Disney. And all of a sudden his head gets chopped off. You don't see much of it. You see it from the neck. You see it from the the neck up. I I think some blood does squirt out, some purple blood, but that's about it. But I'm like, damn, this got real violent for an MCU movie. And we've seen some violence here and there, but never a a beheading. Anyway, boom, Thor chops his head off, and he finally um, he finally gets to say what everybody's want been been thinking about. Thor says. Um, well, first of all, Rocket has asked Thor, what did you do? And Thor goes, I went for the head. Because that's what we're all thinking about. That's what Thanos said in the last movie. He said, yeah, you should have gone for the head. And this time he went for the head. Trust me. Anyway, after that happens, five years have passed. And, you know, we get to spend a little time, a little bit of time in the in the aftermath of the snap. And they don't really say it, but I read online that the they were calling that event the decimation. The decimation in which Thanos was. Sorry about that. But it's the decimation in which Thanos wipes out half the universe. And uh, I think from there, we cut to Ant-Man, who has been trapped inside the quantum realm for five years. But un- but five years have, ba- have passed, but he doesn't know about it because he's been trapped in the quantum realm. And to him, five, to him, it only, pa- it only seemed like five minutes. No, not five minutes, sorry. Five, five hours. So he gets back from the quantum realm and he realizes years have passed. He's going around, he's walking in this neighborhood. He even gets to one point where he asks, 
a kid who's on his bicycle. He, he asks the kid, hey, what happened here? And the kid doesn't respond. The kid is so devastated that he just doesn't respond after losing, after losing, losing his loved ones in a snap. So, um, Scott, Scott Lang, uh, Ant-Man, if you will, finally understands what happened. He knows that five years had passed and he, he goes to this park where it has this memorial of all the people that have disappeared during the snap. So his first instinct, what like any parent would do if, if they were that, they were in that situation is to look to see if the kids are safe. And his daughter, Cassie, who we've seen in the last two Ant-Man movies, he starts looking for her. And uh, he starts looking for her alphabetically through the names because her name is Cassie. So he finally gets to this, to the alphabet C and he doesn't see their name there. Doesn't see her name there. And I believe he goes to his ex-wife's house and finds her there. And he's relieved. But they don't show it. At, but at some point, um, he must have figured out that Hope, his ex-girlfriend Hope and um, her father Hank had disappeared during the snap. So when he meets the Avengers at the Avengers compound, he meets them at the door. Um, Natasha and Steve see the can't see the see the surveillance feed, and then um, after talking to Ant Man, Ant Man realizes that there might be a way to solve this problem, and that is that if we go back in time, we can we can stop all this from ever happening due to the quantum realm, because he uh, had a theory that. Because he, re- not theory, sorry, but he realized that since he was in the quantum realm for five years, it only seemed like five minutes for him. So there must be some time travel thing that we can do to prevent all this from happening. And the solution that the, the Avengers come up with is that if we can go back in time to each of these points in um, specific, each of these specific time areas. We can go back and steal the Infinity Stones before Thanos ever gets them. So they did that in a clever way with this being the 20, um, I believe the 22nd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did, uh, and it's obviously um, the end. It was, it was, it, this movie served as a conclusion for a 22 film story arc. So what they did was clever, excuse me. So if they went back in time, they would have to revisit all these times where these stones were taken so they so they would have which meant that which means that they would have to go back in time to the first battle of new york and the first avengers movie so that was one point another point was when they go back to 2014 to avengers i mean not avengers sorry guardian the first guardians of the galaxy movie and then uh, I believe Thor the Dark World. I think those are the only three points in time. Oh, they also have to travel in the past to Vormir to obtain the Soul Stone. Anyway, they have to travel to the past to these specific times. So 2012, 2014, 
and 2013 and 2019. I mean, 2018, sorry. So once they get together, first of all, Tony, he's reluctant about all this because at this point in five years later, he has, a, he has a daughter with Pepper Potts. And he's really reluctant because what if he goes back in time and erases all this? Erases Morgan from existence, you know, a daughter which he's going to love in five years. So he's initially reluctant. And so when the Avengers ask him for help, he, he at first he says no. So they go to find another smart guy. And that is Bruce Banner, who at this point has turned into Professor Hulk because um, he states, you know, he just, instead of fighting the Hulk, he's learned to embrace the Hulk. So throughout the movie, most most of the movie, he's looking like the Hulk, but he's thinking like Bruce Banner. He's, he's smarter now. So they go to meet him at a diner, and he, I think he... He, um, he explains to the Avengers that if you mess with specific points of time, it should not affect the outcome of the, fu- of the future slash present. The only problem is that they try it Bruce Banner's way and it doesn't quite turn out. So, Tony Stark is given a change of heart. Um, partly because of the influence of Pepper Potts. So he goes to the uh, Avengers compound. He talks to Steve and they work their issues out and whatnot. So at that point, uh, Cap gets his shield back, which he, which he gave to Tony in the, at the end of Civil War. So at this point, Tony Stark is on board. And uh, Ant-Man is kind of... Ant-Man has a bigger role in this than I thought because, to be honest, without him... they they wouldn't have been able to bring all these people back. And his solution was that if we can go into the quantum realm and travel through time, we can get to these specific times and take these stones. So they work on their plan. Uh, they split up into different. They split up into different teams. Teams that will go to each specific point in time. And uh, they develop these um, self-forming, um, almost it's almost like um, symbiotic, but they're quantum realm suits so they can travel through the quantum realm and go through time. And it's a suit that's able to come on and off if, I'm not sure how they did it, but they were pressing a button or, or something. But it just comes on and off and so they can turn into their... Unif- uh, traditional uniforms and if they when they went back they could put on the quantum suit so anyway they go back to the specific point in time we cut to a scene where the um, where Steve Tony and Ant-Man um, Scott they traveled to 2012 to obtain the to obtain the space stone which is located within the Tesseract and at this point, they realize, hey, we can just go to New York because three of the stones are already in New York. Uh, one is on Vormir, 
So that's four. One is on Asgard, and the other, and the other um, on Morag with um, uh, my Star Lord. Sorry, Hard. <laughs> had to think of his name. So we first cut to um, the events of 2012's Avengers during the Battle of New York. So when Steve, Tony, and Scott get there, the Battle of New York is over. And, um, you know, it's some previous footage that we've already seen in the movie. But then they show us new things. As they show us the aftermath of Loki's arrest. So before the um, before Shield can take the the cube into custody, um, Iron Man um, instructs Ant Man to give his to give Iron Man's past self uh, a heart attack. You know, uh, but he assured Ant Man that it wouldn't kill him just by messing with the um, with the thing in his chest. The, the arc reactor so when Ant-Man messes with the arc reactor it causes a distraction and the and then the Tony is able to make away with the um, make away with the Tesseract but but something happens and then the Tesseract gets lost and along with it Loki goes he goes away automatically teleports so Creates an um, alternate timeline, if you will. So, if we see Loki's death in Avengers: Infinity War, if they go back in time in in this movie, and what if none of that ever happens because Loki escaped custody with the Tesseract? So once that happens, they realize they messed up. So now they have to go back even further to 1970 um, to Shield. Um, and they, first of all, they realize that we don't have enough pin particles to do more time traveling. So they have to go get more pin particles simply because there, there is no more in the present. So they have to go back in time to get more. Specifically from Hank Pym, who's young Michael Douglas at this point, which is a cool, cool gesture. And at that point, Steve sees... Um, Peggy and who's who's young at this point because we saw her in the Avengers I mean sorry we saw her in Captain America the Winter Soldier and she was an elderly lady but since she's 70 she's younger now and he just stands there for a second and just looking at her and then we cut to Tony who's um, looking for the Tesseract because S.H.I.E.L.D. Has it, has it in custody at this point. So we cut to Tony, and he accidentally bumps into his father. Um, his father, played by John Slattery. So he gets to talking with his dad, not on purpose, but I think it's because Howard Stark calls, um, calls him, not by name, but he ends up talking to his son, Tony, who he doesn't know, because Tony's from the future, obviously, but... And, uh, you know, throughout the MCU movies, you can tell that he had issues with his dad and, and, um, problems. So he gets to talk into Howard 
and he tells Tony tells his dad thank you uh, and then Tony uh, Tony went while talking to his dad Howard says that she's his wife is pregnant you know with Tony so that's kind of like a weird but cool gesture you know and then uh, after that Howard goes to his vehicle to his limo and this was a nice um, this was a cool thing but if they did a show a while back called Agent Carter, which I actually liked. Uh, I wasn't ever really into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I did like um, Agent Carter. And on Agent Carter, they had a butler on that show. His name was Jarvis. And uh, here I am thinking, like, is that why Tony names his AI artificial intelligence system Jarvis? And, uh, yeah, that... Perhaps it's got to be the reason why. And, you know, it's just, just the little things like that that make make the movie um, a bit more interesting. So he says, uh, so Howard says uh, something like, all right, Jarvis, let's get out of here. And it's the same guy from that TV show. So after that... After that... Oh, wait, I think I skipped something. At this, I think at this point, Captain America, they lost the Tesseract, but they got Loki's staff, which contains the, which contains the, the Mind Stone. So they, before all the 1970s stuff, they, they obtained the, um, the Mind Stone. So... After that, like what I just previously explained, they went back and got the Tesseract successfully from from S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 1970s. And all, while all that's happening, um, Bruce Banner meets up with the Ancient One during the Battle of New York. And you actually get to see her fighting off alien spaceships. So T- Tilda Swinton is back as the Ancient One. Because at this point, Doctor Strange is not even Doctor Strange. You know, he's he's just a surgeon. So they go to the Ancient One, who's who has the, the eye of Agamotto, and within the eye has the time stone. Which uh, she's initially reluctant to give to Banner, but he explains, like in the last movie, he explains of where he's from, he's, that he's from the future, and he explains that. You know, Doctor Strange gave us the gave us the um, the time stone, and then she realizes that Doctor Strange doesn't normally make mistakes. He's supposed to be the best of us. So after upon hearing all of that and what Bruce has to say, she does give him the time stone and asks him to protect protect him protect it. So the, at this point. Bruce, Steve, and Stark, Tony, um, they all obtained the three stones. Meanwhile, Thor is back in 2013 to the events of Thor the Dark World. And he's with Rocket. And then Rocket has to obtain the ethers. Uh, they call it the ether. Because I think at that point, that's that's what the stone was called. It was like... It's, it's like a smoky thing. And that's what... It was a red smoky thing, and that's what infected Natalie Portman in the in that movie. So 
um, Rocket gets it from her. I think he knocks her out. But while all that's happening, Tony, I mean, um, sorry, Thor, is talking to his mom who realizes that she's supposed to die that day. You know, I've only seen that movie once, but I thought it was an alright movie. I don't think it's as... I don't think The Dark World is as bad as everybody says it is. I've seen worse movies, but... You know, it's a nice little callback because, you know, he misses his mom. He gets to talk to his mom and right before she dies. And at, um, oh, I forgot to mention, they do this really th- funny thing where Thor is fat in the movie. And I didn't, re- I didn't realize that he was going to be fat for the entire movie during those five years. But anyway, he gets to talk to his mom, who he misses very much. And literally, he, Thor is crying at this point. And he feels bad. He feels bad because of what happened uh, in Avengers Infinity War. He didn't go for the head. And he's like, I'm not worthy. And then his mom reminds him basically that you are worthy. You know, sometimes we make mistakes, but that's just part of life. You know, you are my son and whatnot. And that makes him feel all better. And before he decides to leave, he reaches out. His, he goes, oh, wait, he reaches out his hand. And all of a sudden, Mjolnir, his hammer comes out. His hammer comes to him, and, he, and he's, he's, you know, he's so happy. He's like, I'm still worthy. And, um, well, they do this really funny thing before that where the Rocket's like, what are you doing? And his mom, uh, Thor's mom goes, sometimes it takes a second. And then it finally comes to him. But So anyway, we get to see uh, Mjolnir again because it was... Um, Originally, it was destroyed in Thor Ragnarok by his sister, Hela. But since it's the past, he get he gets to obtain it again. So they obtain the Reality Stone, and then um, meanwhile, back to the first Guardians of the Galaxy in two thousand. Um, James, Rhodey, and Nebula travel to two thousand fourteen and. They travel to the event of the opening scene where uh, of uh, Avengers, no, sorry, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where Star Lord is. It's basically the intro scene where he's dancing to "Come and Get Your Love" by Redbone, and then they do this. Um, it's it's kind of funny because they cut to uh, first of all the song plays, and then they cut to the part where the song doesn't play. You can only sing. You can only hear. Uh, Star-Lord singing, come and get your love, horribly. And then War Machine is like, he's an idiot. And then Nebula goes, yeah. So Nebula knocks him out, and they go to take, uh, they go to that little temple thing to take the, um, to take the Power Stone. And once they obtain the Power Stone, Rhodey is able to go back. But for some reason, Nebula isn't able to go back. And I shouldn't say for some reason. I think it's uh, she's not able to go back because when she's in 2014, her memories are somehow realigning with with the with the younger um, version of herself in that timeline, who's bad at, uh, at this point, if you remember, because she was bad. She was a bad guy in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So. She, Thanos, younger version of Thanos, 
2014 doesn't even know the Avengers at this point and he realizes that there's something wrong with uh, Nebula of the past who is aligned with Thanos and they begin to see each other's memories so literally the past Nebula I believe she's projecting memories of realigning with the Avengers and like I said he doesn't even know who these point he doesn't even know who these people are and he hasn't even really begun his hunt for the stones at this point so once he realizes what the Avengers are up to he's like you know what screw it let's just let the Avengers find the stones and then once they do we'll just take it from them because he because re- he knows that they travel to the past so and he even gets to see his own beheading because she was there and he's like and he learned and he uh, Thanos is like it worked it worked in that timeline but all we but these people are trying to these Avengers are trying to screw it all up so once they have all the infinity stones we'll just get it from them man makes our job easier So that plays into the third act of the movies, of the movie, and uh, Gamora. Gamora is back, but not in a way you think. She's back because the Avengers, excuse me, the Avengers have to travel to the past, and that's where we find Gamora. Because uh, we saw her die in Avengers: Infinity War, and once I heard that Zoe Saldana is still playing Gamora, I was like. I was trying to think of as to how they how they're gonna do that. And it's a time travel element. If you travel to the past, you know, she's still alive technically. So Rhodey goes back. Nebula isn't is unable to. She gets captured. And she gets she gets replaced by her younger self. You know, she takes that synthetic implant off her face and then puts it puts it on her younger self. Uh, younger, sorry, excuse me if you will, younger Nebula puts it on herself so she can disguise herself as as the older Nebula from the future. And uh, so that's five stones. Uh, and then the, the sixth and final stone is a soul stone in which in which um, Black Widow, Natasha, and Clint are assigned to uh, obtain that's where the problem lies because it's on Vormir the same planet that Thanos and Gamora were on along with Red Skull and uh, in that movie he sacrifices Gamora to obtain the Soul Stone and then once you realize that they have to go to this place again you know there has to be another sacrifice and uh, Clint and Natasha have this very long conversation about family and and stuff, and then they, they each of them kind of realizes realize that they well they try to sacrifice themselves, but the other one won't, won't let them. So a fight in a fight ensues, but not in the kind of like fight you you know I want to kick your ass kind of way. A fight of which you know Hawkeye is trying to prevent uh, Black Widow from killing herself, and Black Widow is trying to do the same thing, so they can each sacrifice so. So they can sac- do the sacrifice themselves. So a few bl- uh, hits are thrown here and there. You know, and the- I think Clint runs for the cliff. 
tries to jump off, uh, gets caught. Natasha, Natasha pushes him out. Natasha starts running, and Clint throws. Uh, Clint shoots an explosive arrow, not kill it, just blow the cliff. And then, as Clint jumps off, he somehow gets attached to a tether by Natasha, and then Natasha is left hanging on the bottom with nothing. So she's trying to, you know, she's like trying her best to fall. And she's basically reminding Hawkeye, hey, you have to live, you know, we're gonna do this, whatever it takes. We have to do this, you know. You have a family. She reminds him of the fact that, for the fact that he has a family. And she's like, go off and be happy with them when they come back. And then it's a sad moment really, because Black Widow, you know, uh, ultimately, Hawkeye can no longer hang on to her, and so she falls to her death. And it's basically, you know, she falls to her death, the sacrifice happens, and then whoever's left can can obtain the Soul Stone. So after that, it's like the first movie where Thanos obtained the Soul Stone, he wakes up in some sort of, um, some sort of water-like heaven. Only this time, it's Hawkeye. So he wakes up in this dream or whatever, in, the, in, the, in this pond or this ocean and then in his hand is a soul stone and we, we leave that scene with him sobbing because he just he, he lost lost his friend and uh, yeah so after all that happens they obtain the stones they go back they go back to the compound and I didn't even know they're gonna do this, but they make their own gauntlet. Stark makes his own Infinity Gauntlet with his with his technology, and they realizes whoever uses the gauntlet to do the reverse snap is gonna be seriously hurt or killed. So they each volunteer themselves. Oh, not all of them, but I think Thor volunteered himself, and ultimately Thor. I mean, uh, Bruce Banner does it because he's the one who can take it the most. So this, so the, um, the the gauntlet has the ability to expand because his hand is so big, and then he does. So Bruce does the reverse snap, and all of a sudden it goes quiet. Bruce is in a lot of pain at this point, but it goes quiet. The shutter doors of the of the compound start to open, and there's birds flying everywhere. You know, there, there's sunlight because. I mean, not to say there was sun, there wasn't sunlight in any part of the movie, but you know, it's just like a metaphor. It's like everything's everything's good again. And then uh, what um, what what really tells us what's good again is when Clint Clint's phone goes off and it it's his wife, and he's like, it worked. But we don't get to see everybody come back yet. We get to that later. So after Clint realizes is that the snap worked, uh, Ant-Man goes to look outside and takes it all in and stuff like that. Uh, Thanos comes crashing down on them, literally blowing Ant-Man away, but he, he doesn't get killed. And that's all due to um, young Nebula, who's infiltrated the Avengers compound. It was all her fault because she tells she brings Thanos into that timeline. 
So we get to the Avengers compound where everybody's come, where um, the snap worked, but Thanos is here because he means business. He wants to undo what they just did because they have all the infinity stones. And uh, so this is the younger Thanos back in his back in his prime. Not to say he didn't put up a good fight in the previous movie, but he's back and he's younger. And he's like, you guys got the stones. I'm going to use them to undo what you guys just did. I am inve- inevitable. So he comes down, Randy down in the, uh, the Avengers compound with his ships. And everything gets decimated. That compound gets blown to shit. Excuse my language, but he gets... Um, so the, fi- the Avengers are trying to fight their way out of the compound. Um, and then... Steve, Tony, and Thor, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor make their way out of the compound to confront Thanos, and a fight, a fight happens. So they're the three Avengers that are trying to take on Thanos. And uh, for the meantime, they put up a good fight. The rest of the remaining Avengers are trying to get out of the compound, and Ant-Man goes to help Bruce and Rocket, who are trapped underneath some rubble, and. Uh, and Clint is trying to make his way out of the tunnels of the, of the Avengers compound. So the three, the main three, they fight Thanos. They put up a actually good, they actually put up a good fight. But Thanos ultimately is is winning. And then once Thor, who's on the ground on his back, tries to call Stormbreaker to him, Thanos catches it, and then tries to kill. Thor with his with his with his own axe with his own Stormbreaker, and just when you think all hope is lost with Thor, because the thing is literally right pr- pressed up right against his chest, and once you think it, that's all for Thor, all of a sudden Munir, uh, the hammer Mjolnir comes out of nowhere and hits Thanos in the back of the head, and I literally I literally thought that it was just Thor controlling that weapon. Mjolnir, but all of a sudden we cut to Captain America, and Captain America calls back Mjolnir to his hand, and Thor's like, "I knew it. He is worthy." And that was my, that was my favorite part of the movie because Cap is my favorite Avenger, and if you remember that callback back to Avengers: Age of Ultron, they're doing that hammer lifting contest in which Steve actually budges the hammer. Not able to completely lift it, but budges it just a little, and that makes Thor worry a little bit. But not in this case, because he's because Thor is happy that he has a he has a friend that could wield the weapon and help with the fight. So, with Cap able to wield wield the hammer, m- meaning he's worthy, he, he starts whoop, opening a can of whoop ass, you know, for a while. He actually uses both his shield and his and the hammer, and his hammer, because kind of now his at this point, and the hammer, and uses it in like really creative ways, like he's, uh, he's throwing his shield and hitting it with the hammer, and then he at one point he summons lightning and throws it at uh, he throws it at Thanos. You know, it's, it was, oh my god, that was such a badass moment. But anyway, um, all after all that happening, Cap does put up a good fight, but he does ultimately end up on the ropes 
And then once that happens, uh, it, uh, Thanos breaks his shield, a shield that was supposedly indestructible, but Thanos, you can get away with that because Thanos is so strong. Thanos breaks um, Captain America's shield with um, his sword. You know, that really looks like a helicopter blade used as a weapon. Thanos has that weapon. Anyway, he breaks Captain America's shield. And then that's where you've seen that scene in the trailer where he's strapping his shield back on. Which in the trailer looked like a complete shield, but in the movie it's a broken shield. Because he's still like, you know what? Screw it, I'm still going to use this thing. And then once that happens, uh, the most beautiful... The next best thing in this in this movie happens is that that is that um all the previous Avengers who died in Infinity War come back and they do um, lots of nice callbacks. Just like there's a one point when they arrive on the battlefield, um, Captain America can hear um, Falcon on his comms, and he Captain America hears Sam say, "I'm on your left," and he looks up and then. All these um, all these portals start to open, and the first people you see come through is Shuri, Okoye, and um, and T'Challa, Black Panther. And he, they look at Captain America, Captain America, and they look at each other. It's, they don't really say anything, but you know they kind of giving like giving that look, like I'm glad you're back, and yes, we're back. And then all of a sudden, Falcon flies out, and then. All these other portals from like um, Doctor Strange's magic, because I assume I'm assuming that Doctor Strange assumed the army, and you see an army of wizards and uh, the Wakandans, Asgardians. I think uh, the female race of warriors from Asgard. I forgot what. The Valkyries. Valkyrie is uh, the character herself is in this movie, which I was really looking forward to because I liked her character in Thor Ragnarok. And then all the other Avengers start to appear. You know, Ant Man. I mean, not Ant Man, but um, his girlfriend, his ex girlfriend, Hope. She comes in. You know, just the scale, the massive scale of the cast of this in this movie is just amazing. The Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know, everybody's happy when Spider Man is back because that was the death that hit everybody the hardest in Infinity War. So everybody's back at this point. Everybody, you know, from all the past MCU movies, it's a glorious moment. Even Pepper has her own suit. And they do this nice little female representation, which I'll get to in a little bit. So all these Avengers are um, assembling Ant-Man. He goes big. And in his hand, he has Rocket. Um... In his hand, he has Rocket, the Hulk, and War Machine. And uh, I kid you not, I just read about this. But um, I just read about this, that Howard the Duck was actually in that scene. It's kind of like a blink-and-you-miss blink kind of moment. But he's he is seen among, among the crowd of heroes. Uh, they said it's right before the scene where Hope appears. You know, she grows to normal size. But if you look closely, they say that you can see Howard the Duck holding a gun, assisting in the battle. And then, so everybody's in this movie at this point. The Guardians, Ant-Man, Thor, I mean, Thor, sorry, Thor. Thor, Fat Thor, if you will. Hulk, I think I said Hulk. Rocket, 
War Machine, um, Black Panther, The Wakandans, uh, Baku. So everybody's assembling. The, um, you, you get a good shot of Drax and uh, Mantis. So everybody's assembling. And then the line that we waited years for Captain America to say finally says it. So we got the epic Avengers theme playing in the background. And all of a sudden, um, Captain America says, Avengers! And under his breath, he kind of says, Assemble! And it, uh, it's kind of like a, a battle scene, you know, like that movie Ready Player, Ready Player One. Uh, it's just a huge, massive battle between armies and superheroes and supervillains. So this great battle ensures, just like the third act of... Um, Ready Player One. Only this time with actual snakes, to be honest. So there's a great battle taking place. Everything's just wonderful at this point. You know, the Avengers are trying to keep Thanos for, from doing a snap ever again. And then once the battle continues, um, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, who's also back, but she ain't happy, man. She's still pissed because of the death of her of her boyfriend in the last movie, um, who we don't get to see in this movie uh, whatsoever, uh, Vision. So she's pissed at Thanos. And she's actually one of the more powerful Avengers, in my opinion. So with her magic, she lifts Thanos up in the air, and it looks like she's about to rip him apart. At least his armor is coming off. So she's trying to rip him apart. He's in pain, and he tells his, uh, his commander... I believe Ebony Maul, he tells, he tells his right-hand man, hey, use the ships uh, to basically fire down upon these people. So the ship is firing down all these lasers and whatnot, and then everybody's screaming, and you can hear Rocket at one point, and then it stops. The shooting stops, and then the guns, the turrets, they face upward towards the sky, and then everybody's like, or especially the Iron Man, Friday, what are they aiming at? And Captain Marvel, who we haven't seen for the past half half hour of the movie, she comes back and assists in the battle. She takes down the she takes down the ship by herself. So when she gets there, she she's fighting. You know, so there's some humorous moments where um, where Peter Quill meets Gamora of 2014, but she doesn't remember him. So there's no, you know, she he loves her, but. She has no emotional ties to him whatsoever because she hadn't, she hadn't met him before at that point. So she comes back, and a lot of other cool moments. Uh, Pepper and Tony fighting side to side, and back to that. Um, there's this like one moment where all the women of the MCU gather together and start running towards, towards the um, the enemies, the bad guys. They do a callback to Infinity War when they where, where um, uh, Okoye says. No, she's not alone. And she, someone says, I forgot who, but she says, she's got us. And they all start, all the women of the MCU, you can think of, all start running towards um, the opposing team, the opposing enemies. Except for Valkyrie, because she's on a flying horse. But uh, I thought that was a really interesting moment. Cool, too. Because um, from what I... I heard that there was supposed to be a, a female spinoff, which I hope comes to pass. Anyway, 
all that happened and we finally get to the last part of the fight in which in which um, uh, Captain Marvel goes toe to toe with Thanos and she puts up a good fight because I think Thanos punches her bare fisted and it doesn't or doesn't even face face her or was it a headbutt I think it was might have been a headbutt either way she gets hit by Thanos who's strong but not strong enough to to face Captain Marvel because she's she's just that powerful and she's trying to get the she has the the hand with the gauntlet on it she's trying to prevent him because at this point he has the gauntlet on but uh, she's trying to prevent him to doing for doing the snap so what he does is that he takes one of the stones I forgot which one but he takes one of the stones from the gauntlet and uses it to punch her in the face and she goes flying across the screen and um there's this moment where Doctor Strange and Iron Man they they share a moment while they look together and then I'm not sure what kind of look it was but it was a very ser- serious look where in which where um I think Tony realizes he's gonna have to do it. He, he's gonna have to die at this point because he, because Tony had Tony had a backup plan, which was revealed when he goes to fight Thanos for the stones. Tries to get the, at least we think he's trying to get the gauntlet off, but he's not. He just um, once he pushes Tony away, Thanos tries to does a snap, but couldn't can't do it because all the stones are missing and uh, Tony has it up. Has it on his uh, armor, on his uh, on his right hand, I believe. And Tony himself does a snap, and snaps everybody away. You know, he, I mean, not everybody, but he snaps Thanos and and his army away. So that's it for Thanos, because you you know that that was such a satisfying scene because you don't get to see him die once, but you see him die twice. And uh, so once Tony does a snap, he's all weakened at this point. You know, Pepper tries to talk to him. Uh, there's this really sad moment. It's kind of like a reverse moment of Infinity War where, um, you know, Peter, Spider-Man is like, you know, Mr. Stark, we did it. You know, we won. Peter, Peter is sobbing at this point because, you know, Iron Man has been like a father, uh, father to him, aside from his Uncle Ben, but he was no longer around. But he's talking to Tony sobbing and then Pepper um, Pepper respectfully pushes Peter aside and t- tells Iron Man that hey we did it you can rest now but at this point Tony is comatose he doesn't even, he's just looking out into the sun I mean looking out into the sky barely knowing what's going on at this I think but you know he's just speechless so I'm gonna continue this. My time's almost up on this. Uh, I'm gonna say, oh, damn, I'm talking for almost an hour on this movie. So I'm gonna about to finish this. So keep in mind for part two on my thoughts of the movie. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you. This has been Fanboys and Fangirls with Rance Lacuna. Thanks for listening. Catch you, catch you next time. Thank you.